Once upon a time in Hollywood, the journalist power couple. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Not so many, uh, not, not too many people can get me off the couch on a cold winter's night to make the long drive south, about 30 minutes, down the 101 in the pouring rain. But Ivor Davis can. And so... I found myself on this cold night at a warm conversation at Ivor Davis's Q&A on the 60th anniversary re-release of his book, The Beatles and Me, on tour. And this was at the Ventura Museum of Ventura County. So this interview today with Ivor Davis was actually scheduled for last month. But Ivor's schedule, and then finally his voice gave out. So the day after the Q&A in Ventura that I mentioned, Ivor went down to Los Angeles to tape back-to-back interviews for a Hulu and a Netflix documentary on his book about the Manson murders called Manson Exposed, a reporter's excuse me, 50-year journey into madness and murder. And I have patiently marked the days until his voice would return. And it has. And so has he. Forget keeping up with the Kardashians. I dare you to try to keep up with Ivor for just one day. He goes by the Cockney Kid. He's dynamic, unrelenting, connected. And he has an endless energy. He has a curiosity that will spark your own. For over a half century, Ivor Davis has been a writer for the Express and the Times of London. He penned a weekly entertainment column for the New York Times. Uh, This is for over 15 years, I believe. Interviewing some of the biggest names in show business, from Cary Grant to Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burden to Tom Cruise, and Muhammad Ali. He was the only British daily newspaper correspondent to cover the Beatles' first American tour from start to finish and was given unparalleled access to John, Paul, George, and Ringo on the road. Welcome back to the show, Ivor Davis. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Jeremiah. It's always good fun and we have great conversations when I I'm on the air with you. So thank you. I look forward to, and this is so uh, honest and genuine. Every time I I get to hang out with you or get a few minutes to hear some stories and and talk with you, it's always a real pleasure. I really mean that. So this is exciting, exciting news. It's been 40 years in the making, but finally your new book is about to be released about your neighbor and friend, the killer 
Fred Rayler and is due out coming up on May 7th. It's called The Devil and My Friend, The Inside Story of a Malibu Murderer. It's on the Amazon website and available now for pre-order. So let me uh, take a pause here real quick in the story and tell you here's what you go do. Hop onto the Amazon website and you punch in The Devil in My Friend by Ivor Davis and Sally Ogle Davis and pre-order the new hardback book. You will be intrigued and fascinated, even horrified by the finished work, which has been a long and extremely winding road to completion. How so? Forty years, Ivor, that that you've been working on this this story. Yes, I have. Um, it's a it's a complicated story. We almost got published forty years ago, and then Fred Rayler, who is incarcerated in a jail in California for life without possibility of parole, actually got his lawyer to call the publishing company back then, decades ago, threatened them with a lawsuit, and this heavyweight, gigantic publishing company who were just scared out of their minds because they were scared out of their minds because another publishing company had been sued by McGuinness, who wrote a book about the Green Beret Captain, and so my publishing company, 40 years ago, chickened out. But this has been in my skin and under my skin for so long that I'm thrilled that this amazing story, and I, I sound like I'm boosting the story, but it is an incredible story, that this amazing story is finally coming out in book form in, in early May. So thank you for your mention of it. And what else can I tell you about this remarkable well, story of, 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 of friendship that went awry? Oh, man. Uh, you're going to tell us more about it, I hope, here in a moment. But uh, why Why now? Why did, or, or, you know, at what point did you say, it's ready, it's ready to go, it's ready to share with the world? Well, what happened was, it, it's one of those things, it's, you know, when you talk to Hollywood producers and directors, and I have done, and say to them, this is a great movie, uh, and then they tell you the story that it took them 15 years to bring it to the screen. It's not an uncommon trait. And so that my book is a little bit like that. I have great faith in it. It was written beautifully. I mean, mostly by Sally, although I was there for the ride. And it's just, when I read it again, it is a terrific story of a, a friendship gone rotten, if you like. And in a way, I thought there are so many of us out there, Jeremiah, who have friends, and then suddenly their friend turns out to be maybe a near-do-well or something about them that they never knew. Uh, my friend happened to be, turned out to be a cold-blooded killer, but that's, and that's the book. Um, and then you discover as a reporter that he was guilty of murdering his wife, his wife who was a children's kindergarten teacher at my kid's school in Malibu in the, in the 80s, in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, he, when you investigate his background, you discover that he was not only... Uh, guilty of, of, of murdering his second wife, Verna, a beautiful blonde, and their six-year-old son, who was the same age as my son. My son is now a good-looking guy with a wonderful family, and I wonder all the time whether Douglas Rayler or Douglas Johnson, as his name was, 
he was a stepson, whether Douglas Johnson would have grown up given the opportunity to be a wonderful adult, a wonderful parent. So there's a lot of things going on there. And therefore, that was one of the key reasons why I said, I've got to get this book out, plus the fact that I wrote it with my late wife, Sally. If you don't mind, Ivor, you know, you've been on a couple of times. We've we gotten to know each other over the years, but I didn't know much about Sally Ogle. And I so I did some a little bit of background on her. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just talk about her for a moment. Thank you. Um, as you said, you wrote this book with your late wife, Sally Ogle Davis. Um Sally Ogle Davis was a teenage television personality in Northern Ireland. And she chronicled the famous and the powerful in Hollywood. And she was a, an activist in Jewish arts and synagogue life. She was born in London into a showbiz family and raised in Belfast. She broke into television at the age of 18. And the Irish Times says of Sally Ogle, when television was black and white, Sally Ogle brought glamour to the nightly news programs during the 1960s, when she became a presenter on UTV and the BBC Northern Ireland, Ireland, where her stunning looks and razor-sharp intellect ah. marked her out for greater things. And sadly, at her passing in 2012, after a two-year battle with pancreatic cancer, it ended um, this 45-year beautiful, 45 beautiful relationship that you had together you guys were creative writing partners, investigative journalism, uh, journalists together. Um, and after you guys married and immigrated to the United States in 67, both, uh, both of you worked for 20 years as editors at Los Angeles Magazine, reported for British newspapers and TV, and wrote columns for the Jewish Journal. In Los Angeles, Sally Ogle found her main niche in reporting on the glamorous and the political sides of uh, the adopted city of Los Angeles, specializing in incisive interviews with newsmakers, ranging from Paul Newman to Ronald Reagan. She had assignments all over the West Coast, and she was a correspondent for the BBC, a documentary producer for CBS TV, and a contributor to the New York Times Sunday Magazine. Well, you two are such a power couple. Tell us... Uh, this is what I, you know, read about her, and she just sounds so fascinating. But I, if you wouldn't mind, describe, you know, the Sally Ogle that that you loved and knew and worked with. Well, it, it's good. <laughs> thanks for that. It uh, <clears throat> it's terrific to work with your partner. She was brilliant as a writer. You got me. You hit me with that. I'm sorry. She just sounds so fascinating. You're so fascinating. And when I read about her, I thought, wow, the two of them, like, I wish I knew it got to know her as well, but the two of you together, I mean, you, you probably inspired each other, I'm sure, quite a bit. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I'm sorry to be, you know, be on the loud mouth. But, <laughs> well, um, you, but it was the love great. of your life. A great teaming and you know we thought alike and she was the brilliant writer i was the i was the digger you know i was the person mm -hmm. that could dig up the facts because my background was as a, 
as a daily news reporter and a foreign correspondent. And you just stick to the facts, ma'am. You stick to the facts. Yeah. And you and so it was an in, intriguing soup, a combination of her yeah. talents as a writer and as a broadcaster, and mine as a, a digger up of facts. So it, it's it, it's not a bad little team. But I, uh, I found you. a I found a really great quote that you that you described. This is for the Ventura County Star to give them credit. But you described your professional relationship with Salioga like this. You say, I spent my life as a foreign correspondent and I was a meat and potatoes writer. Sally was the creme de la creme writer. We discovered we could work together on stories. And as you said, just now I did the digging and Sally did the finishing touches. Yeah. So what what are some of the, um, uh, you know, and from, from your perspective, you sent out a, a, an email earlier today and you you gushed a little bit about how she had contributed so much to this story, The Devil and My Friend, the new novel that you, you're, you're releasing on May 7th. What are some of the highlights that she contributed to this book, Ivor? Well, well, don't forget, um, as a reporter, you do report on the hard news, and I was very good at that. But she has the little emoluments, the the way that Fred Rayler's wife and what uh, it, not his wife, Fred Rayler's mother acted, what she was wearing, um, and and those kind of incredible touches of detail that a novelist has rather than a reporter. And I mm. think from that point of view, uh, that's why uh, the new book is so full of visual graphic descriptions um even even to you know down to the shoes uh who knows what shoes you're wearing uh well you unless you're wearing a you know alligator shoes or boots up to your knee um i wouldn't notice um but those kind of finishing touches give almost a novelized touch to a factual book mm. i can't wait to read it i gotta get a copy you always send me copies here's a i've got my copy here let's see if you can see this <laughs> the Beatles and me on tour, the 60th anniversary edition. Ivor sent this to me. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, but I can't wait to get this next book. We'll have to uh, pre-order it for you. Get those get those pre-order sales in there. Um, I'm going to give you out all the information here at the commercial break coming up. I just wanted to uh, have, a, have a question and, and something else I read about Sally Ogle. Uh from Rabbi Lisa Hoshberg Miller of the Beth Torah, she recalled of your wife, Sally was unquestionably one of the brightest women that most of us have ever met. She had an incredible interest in just about everything. And I thought that could be a description of Ivor. Uh, you both share this interest in everything. Um, you were obviously meant for each other. The question from that that sparked for me, Ivor, was do you think having an incredible interest in everything you know quote unquote is one of the secret ingredients in the pie of life um you know you're right and the key factor is that you need to have a passion for what you do you have a passion for what you do and i was talking to 96 year old documentarian frederick weissman last week in Pasadena, 
And he is just, Frederick Wiseman, is, if you look at his background, he's done so many brilliant documentaries over a 60, 70 year span. And here is this 96 year old guy who's done a new documentary about food, a brilliant documentary about food. He shot it, he directed it, and he edited it. And I said to him, Frederick, how the hell do you do it at your age? And he said, I said, give me the recipe. And he said, I love what I do. And I and that keeps me going. And I think that is the uh, to, to Monty Python meaning of life, if you can do it. And the people I know, like you and a lot of other people who are active uh, and, and you, are, are, are passionate about, they like people, they're, they, 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 they're always asking questions. Uh, and, and once you lose interest, because you do find people who, when they quit work, uh, maybe they worked in a rather dreary job, um, then they're not interested anymore. So this is this is the formula. And, in, and everybody, as they get older, wants a secret formula, a secret recipe. There isn't a secret recipe, except touching upon some of the things that you and I have discussed in the last couple of minutes. Okay, so that's perfect. I, uh, I think... That that definitely, I think that's true. That definitely derives me being curious and caring and wanting to know more and, and be having an interest in people and life and all the things that come along. And, so and Jeremiah, right and Jeremiah, you have an inquisitive mind. You enjoy what you do. You enjoy talking to people, and and you're a you know you're an outgoing guy. And I think uh, I think that's that has that's part of the the magic. Or the magic formula, because everybody wants to know how you keep going. And that, that's one of the ways you can go to the gym. You know, I go to the gym. I don't know what you do. Do you run? Do you run marathons? Do you? Uh, but you have to keep active. And once you sit in the armchair and become a, a couch potato, uh, it, it ain't good. Uh, well, you got me out of the couch that night, that rainy night to go come see you. And uh, nobody else could do that for me. Thank you. And I'll tell you a little secret, Ivor. Um, this is a little secret about me. One of the, you inspire me watching. You're so complimentary to me, but you, you inspire me. You inspire me to, uh, to just keep going. You're one of those people in my life that inspires me. So, and, well, I'll just story, throw so, hey, this we're... in. Uh, what I, you know, as I say, this is like, this isn't supposed to be the, the, the Jeremiah Ivor Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> but when I see you Thanks are juggling, <laughs> you are one of these guys that can keep six balls in the air at the same time. And that's, that's impossible. So how the hell do you do it? I'm telling you, you're my inspiration, Ivor. <laughs> okay, yeah. coming up, chapter two. Murder, he wrote. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We're going to dig into the new book in just a moment when we come back on the other side of the break. Um, I am talking to my good friend, Ivor Davis. Ivor is joining me. Are you in Ventura today, my friend? Yes. Okay. So I want you to go to IvorDavisBooks.com or go to Amazon. I found it on Barnes & Nobles. I, I found it on a lot of places. Go pre-order right now. Save it. May 7th. Uh, you'll have a nice little surprise in the mail. It's the new book by Ivor Davis. It's called The Devil in My Mind. The Inside Story of a Malibu Murder by Ivor, Ivor Davis with Sally Ogle Davis. Ivor and Sally Davis were horrified when their Malibu neighbors, Verna 
Rayler and her son, Doug, died in a terrible boating accident. The nightmare only continued when her husband, their friend, Fred Rayler, was arrested and then convicted for their murder. As investigative writers, they set out hoping to find Rayler innocent, but instead they found a viper's nest of deceit and murder. You will be intrigued and fascinated, even horrified, by the devil and my friend. The Inside Story of a Malibu Murder. It's out May 7th. Published by Roman and Littlefield, Roman and Littlefield Publishers. Again, go get it at iverdavisbooks.com or Amazon pre-order. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. My story with Ivor Davis continues. I'm leaning on the lamp. Maybe you think I look a tramp. Or you may think I'm hanging round to steal a car. But no, I'm not a crook. And if you think that's what I look, I'll tell you why I'm here and what my motives are. I'm leaning on a lamppost at the corner of the street in case a certain little lady comes by. Oh, me. Oh, my. I hope the little lady comes by. I don't know if she'll get away. She doesn't always get away. But anyhow, I know that she'll try. Oh, me. Oh, my. I hope the little lady comes by. There's no other girl I would wait for. But this one I'd break any date for. I won't have to ask what she's late for. She wouldn't leave me flat. She's not a girl like that. Oh, she's absolutely wonderful and marvelous and beautiful. And anyone can understand why. I'm leaning on a lamppost at the corner of the street in case a certain little lady passes by. Hello, my name is Ivor Davis, and I'm, I'm the author of two new books. The first book is called The Beatles and Me on Tour, 60th Anniversary Edition, about my travels with those Liverpool lads. And my second book, which comes out in May of this year, and I hope everybody listening will pre-order it, is called The Devil in My Friend, a true-life murder story in which I was heavily involved. And I'm delighted to be able to tell you this story and talk about it on the world's most popular podcast and broadcast, The Jeremiah Show. So let's hit the road, Jeremiah. As soon as you're born, they make you feel small. By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show, Chapter 2, Murder, he wrote. Author and journalist and investigative reporter Ivor Davis was deeply embedded in the life of Charles Manson. 
while maintaining distance from the mesmerizing pool that drew Manson's followers to him and compelled them to do his savage, unspeakable bidding. Ivor retained a cool, independent, and objective view as the case played out. And his, in his gripping book, uh, Manson Exposed, a reporter's 50-year journey into madness and murder, he shares his odyssey for over a half century. Ivor meticulously pieces together the complex and uh, crazy story, making sense of the senseless, as well as the facts surrounding one of the most savage massacres in American criminal history. His new book, The Devil and My Friend, the inside story of the Malibu murder takes us on another fascinating journey into the world of Fred Raylor. Welcome back, Ivor. Thank you. Why do you think stories of murder fascinated all of us so much? Um, they have become very big stuff. I mean, if you you go on to the streaming services jeremiah you will see so many wonderful stories told in film because people i don't know the, the people who live fairly humdrum lives realize that they're lucky because they're not they're not murderers and although they may have a murderer next door or across the road and i was talking to uh, the film director joe berlinger who is now king of of, of, of real life murder documentaries. Uh, and he is also fascinated by that. He's got a, uh, he's got another Netflix series about the Third Reich, which was, was, was run by another monster uh, about, of, of, of an earlier period. Um, the Schickelgruber was the guy's name, I think. And he was a painter who changed his name to Adolf Hitler. Anyway, so what, what I find is, I mean, people are fascinated by Manson. I've just done two documentaries about Manson for Netflix and for uh, NBC's Peacock Network. And people love to love to talk about that. True crime is a big seller and true crime documentaries is an even bigger attraction. Um, why? Because you want to try and get into the mind of the villain. With Manson, of course, it was fairly easy. He played the villain. He loved the villain. He, if, 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 if he'd been an actor, he would have been a great villain. And he was a villain. But with Fred Rayler, he looked like Mr. Hunk. He was a good-looking guy. He was shy. He wasn't really a hell fellow, well-met guy. But I liked him in Malibu because he was just that. And this was the Malibu of the 70s and the 80s when there were movie stars on, on your doorstep and you could bump into Steve McQueen or Ali McGraw or Cary Grant or any of those people because they lived in Malibu. So Fred Rayler was a, an anomaly in that he was low-key, ran around in a beat-up old car, uh, wore, wore, wore sl um, those, those sl slogging shoes, I forget what they're called, sled shoes, and, and, didn't, and was not pretentious. And so I liked him. We got along very well. And when I got to know him really well was when he came to me and said, you know, I've just married again. And my new wife has a, uh, has a stepson called Douglas, who happened to be the same age as my son, Gideon. And he said, I don't know anything about soccer, but you're the soccer coach in Malibu. Can I be your assistant coach? Well, I mean, 
Isn't that a wonderful story? He wants to, he wants to get close to his stepson. Uh, who, who wouldn't who wouldn't cry or who wouldn't say, of course. And Fred was a great assistant coach. He showed up every day for, for practicing and we won the championship and we had a wonderful picture done. And then, horror of horrors, sometime later, I discovered that Fred's wife and stepson, Doug, who I knew so well, um, had died in this terrible boating accident off the coast of California, off the coast of Santa Barbara, off the coast of Ventura, Santa Cruz Island. It was horrible. The kid, the, the boy was dead, the wife was dead, Fred was rescued, what a, trying desperately in a heroic effort to save them. And I, yeah, we were, we were all shattered in Malibu, believe me, the whole neighborhood was in tears. Uh, beautiful wife, beautiful son, um, and Fred was the survivor. And then two months later, he was arrested for their murder. And I thought to myself, this is the guy I know, or I think I know, and I'm going to try and do something to show the world that he was innocent. And then I went to the trial in Santa Barbara, which lasted nearly a year. And even after the trial finished and he was convicted of murder in the first degree, um, I still felt he was innocent. And then I went back to his hometown with my wife, Sally, to do an investigation of this guy's life. And I was horrified because I used to see him in jail at Folsom Prison and he was charming and he was upbeat. And I go back to his hometown and they're all negative. And they say, if there is money in it, Fred Rayler, his family were after that money. And I should explain, which I haven't done, is that the horrifying fact was that Fred Rayler stood to get $800,000, which is a lot of money, which is about $4 million in today's money, because he had insured his wife and his stepson and his young stepson for a lot of money. And he collected big time. And that's why the cops came to him. And I should add a little, a little bit further because a, the reason the cops investigated him for this accidental death, which they thought it was, was that a local neighbor who knew his first wife, Jean, called the cops up and said, Fred Rayler's first wife died by drowning. His second wife died by drowning. This is no coincidence. You must investigate. And investigate they did. And that's what led to the arrest. I've told the story back to front, but that's how Fred Rayler got caught out. And then the cops discovered he had all this insurance on them and, and they went to trial. And they went to trial and there was a guy called Stanley Roden, who was the brilliant district attorney in Santa Barbara, who prosecuted Fred. And I hated Stan Roden because he was prosecuting my friend and he got a conviction. And then Fred went to prison and then he called me from prison and said, how about writing the book that we talked about? And I said, sure, I will, Fred. And as I said, I went to his hometown and discovered that the, he, the family was detested and, and nobody was surprised that Fred Rayler murdered his wife for insurance money. So uh, when, I when I came back and went to Folsom Prison and said to Fred, you know, a lot of people you told me to talk to in your hometown didn't like you and they felt you were guilty. Uh, he said, who were they? Uh, and I want to know exactly what they said. Give me a transcript. 
And I said, I can't tell you because these people spoke to me about you and your family in confidence. And they said, do not quote them. And so Fred said, okay, if you're not going to do that, our friendship is over. Don't come and see me in prison again. And I haven't spoken to him since then. Uh, I mean, a rather tangled, intricate story that maybe should have gone from A to B to Z uh, more, 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 more smoothly. But I apologize for jumping around. But I think that gives you a, a general picture. And I've gone on too long. No, no, no. That's actually, you know, you make me want to pick up the book right now that all you did was just peak by curiosity. There's got to be um, some really great details and stories in there. I can't wait to read the whole, whole book. Is, isn't it amazing? We do have to take a break real quick, Ivor, but uh, I, I, I have to admit my guilty pleasure is watching 48 Hours and Dateline and 2020 and all these murder mystery shows. Um well, you tell why, me why, why I like why, it. Why are you fascinated by that? I don't why know. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know. They have a formula that kind of, I know exactly how it's going to kind of roll out. But the one thing that, excuse me, that I notice all the time, it's, I, I know that it's, they're the best people that nobody can believe this happened. They lit up a room. They were so great. And then it slowly unravels. And, it's almost always for insurance money. Yeah. Well, I mean, look <laughs> okay. at the murder. Do you think case. like if you're a murder, they they always get caught with their Google searches. They get caught at Home Depot buying a shovel and duct tape, <laughs> and they and they uh, on camera, and they, it's always for the insurance money. It's like how haven't you watched Dateline? <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what to what to avoid. All right, let's take that break. IverDavisBooks.com. Check it out. The Devil and My Friend, the inside story of a Malibu murder by Ivor Davis with Sally Ogle Davis. Uh Ivor just did a really great setup for, for the book. May 7th, it's coming out, but kid, pre-order now. Let's just crash Amazon today and pre-order this book. Um, you're gonna love it. It's coming out perfect time for a for the beach or you know. City, you know, getting caught up at the end of uh, end of the springtime, into the summer. You've got a really great best-selling book on your hands here, Ivor. I think it's going to be a big hit. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Chapter three: The Art of Being Timeless is coming up next. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, "Son, always be a good boy. Don't ever play with guns." But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. This is Graham Palmer at Surprise Studio, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show.
chapter three, the art of being timeless. Welcome back to the Jeremiah show. Foreign correspondent Ivor Davis was embedded with the Beatles on their triumphant 1964 North American tour. He was the only daily newspaper reporter to travel with them from start to finish rock and roll history. Crisscrossing North America on their private jet. In limo number two, Ivor sped from airport to hotel, from venue to venue, and was given astonishing 24-7 access to John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. He was also George's ghostwriter. And in his award-winning 60th anniversary book, The Beatles and Me on Tour, Ivor dishes up new, riveting, funny, behind-the-scenes stories that only an insider knows. Welcome back, Ivor. Thank you. Thank you. So before we talk about the book, um, I wanted to ask, because you your career has spanned decades and you've covered i mean you can give a couple of the highlights of um if you can call them that I mean, you've been in you've been in really great situations you've been in some scary situations but you've been there kind of in the front lines and some of these really big milestones in history you were right there and time uh you know what does it mean to you it, it's I think it's the most important thing that we have. It's often uh, ne neglected and not respected. Things happen. You live or you don't live as a person, but you are the the definition of somebody who lives, who gets involved, who is there uh, on the front lines and have captured, you've captured time. And I, I was just curious what time how often do you think about it? What does it mean to you as being a writer, as a, as a journalist? You know, what are your thoughts on time? Well, the it's an interesting question, and I'll tell you why. Because when you are doing these stories, when I was in the kitchen at the Ambassador Hotel the night Bobby Kennedy was shot and murdered by Sirhan Sirhan, I just covered the story. I didn't have the ability to say, this is history before my very eyes. You don't do that. You, Some people do. I mean, I remember Richard Burton wrote a diary about his adventures with Elizabeth Taylor, and, and he kept a diary, went home and wrote it down. And, and that is fa fascinating. As a reporter, I didn't have time to do it. As soon as the Beatle trip was over... I went on to the uh, next big story, which was the Warren Commission report on the assassination of John Kennedy. So you almost come up for air and, and quickly get on to the next story. I wish I'd been more retrospective in my life, but now I'm trying to be it now that I'm an old geezer. So so that's part of the, the thing. And the same with the Beatles, because... Um, why, why do why did I revisit the Beatles this year? And I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've answered your question, but I would I would tell many of your viewers and listeners that write it down, keep a diary for God's sake, because you and put down your mood and your feeling and your effervescence 
mm -hmm. your excitement, put it all down because it's very hard sometimes to recapture that. And I was thinking, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so I was going to say, Jeremiah, I don't know, may I read a, little, a short bit that is in my new book, uh, The Introduction is to, is to, is to Why I, I Wrote This Book, again, uh, revisiting uh, the, the Fab Four. Yes, please do. But before you do, can you answer one more thought, a follow-up question to what you just said? Uh, it, is context a part of the of time and meaning the the different experiences that you've had, including the one you're about to read to us? Does it change? Do you find that it changes? It kind of bends and warps a little bit with context and time the time we're in today versus the time you were in there that you, the actual time that the event happened is context, a big part of time and how. Well, how yes. I mean, it does. I mean, if you talk to anybody again, that's a fascinating insight into the human mind, because if you think about things that happened to you at the time, you live the time. And then it's not until maybe 10 years later, of a certain incident in your life that you replay it and you say, hey, I should have done this or why didn't I do this? And now it, with, with the maturity of, of age, I can see this incident in my life with much more clarity. Um, and and I mm -hmm. think it's, it's, it's what they call getting older. Mm. <laughs> okay, thank you. Please read from the Beatles and me on tour, the 60th anniversary re-released edition. Like read from that and then just tell us like, tease us a little bit. What's in, what can we expect with this? Well, new re I mean, what it is, 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 is my maturity of 10 years later. The fact that I've become enmeshed in the Beatles even more today than I did back in 60 years ago, as hard as it, it, it seems, because the Beatles are everywhere. Uh, there's no other group like them. And and um, so I'm just going to read this little bit, if I may, which may explain why I revisited it again. So here we are, 60 years on, and there is no other rock group in music history who have so indelibly imprinted their music on our collective minds and pocketbooks. The 60s, of course, heralded what was labeled the British invasion. The limes kept coming, the animals, the kinks, the who, the zombies, the yardbirds, the searchers, the rolling stones, the Dave Clark Five, Jerry and the pacemakers, Herman's hermits, Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas and on and on and on. No one except for the rolling stones achieved anything like the Beatles durability and overwhelming acclaim and longevity. And one other little addition, if I may add, I said in, nine, in, 2019, in 2019, I watched a far-fetched but intriguing romantic movie called Yesterday from British director Danny Boyle and writer Richard Curtis. Now I bring this up because its storyline was unthinkable. During a 12-second global power outage, the world wakes up to the to universal amnesia about the Fab Four. They have been wiped clean from all memories as though they never, ever existed. Internet searches turn up only details of insects 
And that means the world has no memory of any Beatles song. Zilch, nothing. And in, this, in the film, Jack Malik, a struggling British musician, quickly realizes he is the lone person on the planet who remembers the Beatles and, and their songbook. So with great trepidation, he introduces Beatles songs to the world to amazing acclaim. The very idea of never having Beatles songs in our memory banks or our lives is totally unimaginable, repugnant even. That is so a good What would movie. we do without the Beatles music? Yeah. That I, you know, I, I just wrote that down yesterday. That is. Did you, a did great you movie. ever see I, that film? I did. That's great. I'm going to watch it again tonight. I was looking for something to watch. I just wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Uh, thank you, Ivor, for reading from your book, The Beatles and Me on Tour, the 60th anniversary edition. Um, check that out. You can get that now. It's out everywhere that you buy books. You can go to IvorDavisBooks.com. Uh, We're coming up to our last segment, unfortunately. I know Ivor's off to something else. He's always off to something else. Um, Ivor, it's been a great hour. We got a few more minutes. Don't go anywhere. We're going to find out a couple of interesting things about Ivor before we let him go. In chapter five, sorry, it's chapter four. I'm skipping ahead already. Chapter four, jazz on the Autobahn. But Ivor Davis. I like the way you. I love the way you've done it. With, with we're not recording, are we now? I love. No, the we're way still recorded. What? <laughs> I was going to read a promo for your book before we uh, went to okay, break. Sorry, I'm I'm still say, I love the way that you've done the chapters. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've got music uh, when this all comes together and finally produced, and everybody. The, the, what the edition that everybody's listening to right now has music. Um, from your your beautiful wife and from you, Ivor, that you've given me. So you've chosen the soundtrack a little bit here. And then I've thrown in a few songs of my own. Thank you. Um, one of them is the the final chapter, chapter four, the jazz on Autobahn. Uh has incredible lyrics, and it's gonna be the final song that we go out with. I think you'll enjoy it, Ivor. IvorDavisbooks.com, The Devil and My Friend, the inside story of a Malibu murder by Ivor Davis with Sally Ogle Davis. I'm going to give you a little hint, if you haven't, a little recap here of the book. If you haven't, uh, if you're just joining us, Ivor and Sally Davis were horrified when their Malibu neighbors, Verna uh, Rayler and her son, Doug, died in a terrible boating accident. And the nightmare only continued when her husband, their friend, Fred Rayler, was arrested and then convicted for their murder as investigative writers. Uh, Ivor and Sally Ogle set out hoping to find Rayler innocent, but instead they found a viper's nest of deceit and murder. You're going to be intrigued, fascinated, even horrified by the devil and my friend, the inside story of a Malibu murder. It's out on May 7th. You can get it now on Amazon or at IvorDavisBooks.com. You can pre-order. Do that now. And we will be right back with a final segment with our good friend, Ivor Davis. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, 
I'm not half the man I used to be There's a shadow hanging over me Oh, yesterday came suddenly Why she had to go I don't know, she wouldn't say I said Chapter 4, Jazz on the Autobahn. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. I spent, uh, and hopefully you've spent the entire show and the entire hour here with the great Ivor Davis. I'm probably embarrassing him by giving him a name like that. He's the Cockney kid. He is uh, considered to be one of my good friends and so inspirational. And off air, we were just talking about books and uh reading and maybe it's a lost art and if you're going to pick up one book this year i i want you to pick up ivor davis's well pick up two books what just go for two make it nice and even get the beatles and me on tour the 60th anniversary edition and also uh ivor davis's latest um the devil and my friend inside story of a malibu murder you're going to be on the edge of your seat and uh chewing on your nails and all that good stuff um Final words here, Ivor. How would you write your story? How would you summarize? Uh, how would story? I write my story? Um, well, it, it would be called Oh Lucky Man, <laughs> because you don't plan your life, really. Um, and, and you happen to be at the right place at the right time, which is pure fortune. I, I, I mean, if you go to other people's, I mean, I don't want to interrogate you right now, Jeremiah, maybe at another time, when you look at the lucky breaks that happen to you, you can help make them because you know where you want to go, but they often come out of the out of the blue. It, mm -hmm. it, 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 you can the way I met my wife was out of the blue. The way the way I almost got into journalism is out of the blue. I wanted to be a policeman. I was too short to be a policeman in England. So I I, I love asking people questions and I thought journalism is not a bad way to go and 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 all those weird weird things that happen in your life um and and but also you know this you have to have your eyes open for the opportunity and 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 go with it although when you are younger and I, I don't want it's beginning to sound like a, a lecture by an old guy talking about life 
which it probably is. Nobody but, but, could but ever you've call got to, you old. You've got to be open. You've got to have what you said. You've got to have your antenna out there because if your antenna is down, it's 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 deep doo doo. Um, it's I had Alan D. Rich. He's a song, a famous songwriter, Grammy winner, Oscar winner, all this. He was on on Monday, and he he said the same thing, almost word for word, that you just said, Ivory. Yeah. That it, he he's written for Whitney Houston, uh, Barbara Streisand, Tina Turner, and the list goes on. Rod Stewart. And everything that he thought was going to happen, you know, shifted, and then something better happened. But the one thing that he really wanted didn't happen. It it, it was it became something else. But if, if he step, steps back back and you look at it, you're like, wow, that happened the way it did. And I and I may have not gone this way if I hadn't gone that way. So I love that advice. All right, my final true. question. I mean, it's yeah. true. If you talk to a lot of people. And they say, you know, maybe Barbara Streisand always noted, knew she wanted to be a, a star on stage and Broadway. Uh, she does write about it in her 900-page book, which is 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 fascinating. <laughs> but anyway, we could talk about Barbara Streisand another time, but go ahead. Uh, okay, well, my final How many Ivor Davis stories are left how many do we have are you have you well, got something else i must admit in the, in that i've written i've written 40 chapters of a book for next year which is going to be called something like um i love my that. adventures in hollywood and other strange planets and it's <laughs> about it's about my funny stories with people who i wish i'd known now what i knew then or the other way around i knew then what i knew now or whatever you know you know what i'm saying I mean, Hitchcock and Elizabeth Taylor and Muhammad Ali and some of the great characters going on location with Paul Newman and 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 Mae West and 98% of those listening in probably say, Mae who? But Mae West, I spent time. She said, come up and see me. And I did. Um, and Mary Pickford, another great silent screen star, which makes me quite old now when I think about it. And then some of the more newer guys like John Wayne, Getting getting drunk with Paul Newman in Cuernavaca. So there are some fun stories, which I think oh kind of God. gives you some idea. And, and one other thing. So my son said, nobody wants to read about these old people. They're all dead. And I thought, I'm going to test him on this one. And I went to a, a lecture. I did a lecture at Ventura College, and I'll keep this short. And I wanted to test that theory. Who's interested in these old actors and actresses and personalities. So I said to the class, I'm going to mention the name. Tell me what this means to you. And I said, Paul Newman. And it was absolute silence. And then a lady, a young student, put a hand up and said, he makes salad dressing, Paul Newman. <laughs> well, so as I say, I rest my case. <laughs> he, he did more than make salad dressing. He as we did. Know. He's one of the best actors I've ever seen on the silver yeah. screen. Um, you mentioned Cary Grant earlier. This is a little fact for for the listeners and for you. These are Cary Grant glasses. They made all of her people's made came out with. They, they took his glasses and and uh, did I they really? Uh, yeah. I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing them. Cary Grant's glasses that I, I guess he wore them forever. Uh, Ivers Davis. This was so much fun. Any final words for anybody out there listening? Well, again, uh, being shamelessly a huckster, as I am not really, um, with Walk the Malibu away. murder book, please 
go ahead or pre-order because in the in the nature of the beast in the in the nature of book publishing if you get a good pre-order you, you your book kicks off and you might even get a bestseller for three seconds uh, and then you can go around saying my new book is a bestseller for three seconds or 30 <laughs> seconds so please please uh, pre-order uh, my book the devil in my friend uh, true Malibu, an inside story of a Malibu murder. I'm beginning to sound gibberish, but I apologize because your interrogation has been great fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ivor. Uh, so, so, uh, so much fun. Always. I, I'm going to see you for lunch here, I think next week. So I look forward to, to our next visit. Um, once again, the book is the devil and my friend. Um, Give me the tagline again. Devil in my friend, the inside story of a Malibu murder. Yes. And it's on pre-order right now on Amazon. I want to uh, just tell everybody, thank you so much for listening. It's been fun to spend the time with not only you, but with Ivor. Uh, and, and thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, um, communicate, but listen more and evolve. Have a good day, everybody. The sheriff disappeared He drove in a doomed Corvette Helen was in the passenger seat Eating melon and spitting out the seeds Feeling happy to be alone But still turning a saxophone As cold as stone kind of like
somebody else's wife The heiress of Texas old This is The Jeremiah Show. Stalk Jeremiah on Facebook and Instagram at Jeremiah D. Higgins. Your host, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Senior sound engineer and producer, Graham Palmer at Surprise Studio. Brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Head to thejeremiahshow.com or go to linktree slash Jeremiah D. Higgins for all of Jeremiah's socials. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.